Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Congratulations, true crime addicts. We've survived another week. It's Friday, February 4th, 2022, and these are the top true crime stories from around the world. Hey, before we get started, just a couple things. Uh, if you're going to CrimeCon in Vegas at the end of April, or if you're going to CrimeCon UK in London in June, I've got a code that'll get you like 10% off, a sweet discount. Just type in Renner if you're getting your tickets, R-E-N-N-E-R, uh, and hope to see you at, at CrimeCon at one of these events. It's always an, uh, a fun way to get to meet people that are interested in these unsolved mysteries. Uh, also, if you like this podcast, if you're enjoying this podcast, I have another podcast. It's called Philosophy of Crime, and uh, I release a, a new season every year. It's six episodes long per season got a new season coming up in april subscribe to that check it out i think you'll like it um and if you do take uh 30 seconds and and rate it um if you don't like it uh just you know go about your business uh anyways here are the top true crime stories of this week uh top story no doubt about it there's some criminal activity involving the miami dolphins Apparently, a private detective is looking for Ray Finkel and a clean pair of shorts. Just kidding. No, this has to do with former head coach Brian Flores. Uh, he's suing Dolphins, Broncos, and the Giants. I hope those are team names. And also the NFL. Uh, this in a 58-page lawsuit filed in Manhattan earlier this week, according to ESPN. Brian Flores was the head coach. Uh, but he began his career as an assistant coach for the New England Patriots, where he worked as a defensive play caller during the final season, uh, his final season, which concluded with a Super Bowl title. Flores is alleging racial discrimination, among other things. Here's the big thing, though. 
He's also alleging Dolphins owner Stephen Ross offered to pay him $100,000 for every game that he lost so that they could get a better standing in the draft. Kind of like, you know, throwing your own team in order to to, to, to uh, come out financially eventually in the end. Almost seems like that play the producers uh, in a weird way. Forrest uh, was winning, though. That's the problem. He was a very good coach. And, in fact, is the first Dolphins coach to have uh, back-to-back winning seasons. So why was he fired? There's this uh, rule in the NFL called the Rooney Rule, where if you're looking for a job as a coach, these other teams, they have to interview a certain number of minority candidates. Um, Forrest is African-American, and he was called into some of these interviews, but he's now saying those interviews were a sham just to meet the, that number of candidates of, of color that they had to interview. So uh, it's kind of a kind of a big deal. We'll have to see if anybody ends up in prison over this for fraud or, or what have you. Stephen Ross, the owner uh, who's alleged to try to pay for losing, uh, he says this is all bullshit, that you know, he's just an uh, angry former employee. We'll see what the court has to say. Uh, here's a very bizarre true crime story. Uh, this is uh, earlier this week. 42-year-old Allison Ekron appeared in U.S. District Court in Alexandria. This was Monday. She's charged with providing material support to terrorist organizations. She's actually accused of leading an all-female battalion of ISIS and plotting an attack on U.S. soil, according to the Associated Press. People from uh, Topeka recognized this woman when her photo was put up on the news. They recognized her as Allison Brooks, a nice uh, girl who once lived in Topeka. Facebook friends and former teachers wondering what the hell happened to turn this bright, happy girl into an international terrorist. The Topeka Capital Journal interviewed a couple former teachers that she kept in touch with over the years, Uh, one um, which she sent emails to uh, just a few years ago. He remembered her as an aspiring teacher herself, a lovely kid who delighted in field trips. There's a field trip he recalled where she caught a skink, just kind of like a salamander. Uh, She last contacted this teacher around 2008, said she um, was looking for jobs. That didn't pan out, so she moved to Egypt. Sometime after she moved to Egypt, she became an extremist, changed her name to Um Muhammad al-Amriki. The FBI claims that she was recruiting operatives to attack a college campus or possibly a shopping mall. This is a direct quote. She considered any attack that did not kill a large number of individuals a waste of resources. They say she was a leader of an Islamic state unit called Katib- uh, I'm sorry, Katiba Nusaba, which... Uh, Their headquarters were in the Syrian city of Raqqa, and there they trained with AK-47s, grenades, and suicide belts. It's a long way from Topeka, not in Kansas anymore. Um, Her family has cut her off. They're not supporting her in this uh, uh, criminal complaint uh, that was was filed earlier this week. She faces 20 years behind bars. 
Okay, this last story is from Italy. Weird story out of Italy. Um, priest. This involves priest Lucia Morini, also known as Don Euro, who has been sent to jail. Why? Why do you send a priest to jail? What could he possibly have done? It's not what you think. Not quite. Hang on to your hats. This priest lived in the Tuscan village of Pontesericcio. Their uh, parishioners called him Don Euro because he was always asking for a little extra money in the collection bins at the end of the, the end of the services and actually during confessionals too. I've never been shook down on a conf- confessional, <clears throat> not since seventh grade. Uh, would uh, he would also pretend to be a judge? This is his. Uh, you know, after the services, when he was in his spare time, sometimes he would pretend to be a local judge and use that name to order male sex workers and go to sex clubs. And at the same time, he was also dealing drugs and laundering money. Oh, he also extorted a nun and he blackmailed a bishop. Um, the bishop he blackmailed gave him thousands of euros and even bought him a $200,000 home. Now, there's no there's no um specific story about what he was mailing the black what he was blackmailing the bishop for. But I'm very curious about that. Like what did he have that was worth thousands of euros in a $200,000 home? There might be more to that story. So, uh farewell Don Euro. And those are the top stories. We'll be right back with updates in cold cases, including uh, the Madeline McCann case and the Kendrick Johnson case. I'll be back in two and two. And welcome back to Square Peg, starring Sarah Jessica Parker. I uh, got some cold case updates coming up for you. Uh, this is out of Lowndes County, Georgia. Lowndes County Sheriff Ashley Polk has put his money where his mouth is saying he'll pay half a million dollars to anyone who comes forward with information that leads to an arrest and conviction in the Kendrick Johnson case. This is according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And yes, Ashley Polk is a guy. I've never met an Ashley who's a man. Uh, I kind of dig it, though. Call him Ash. Uh, uh, On the surface, this sounds like a gracious offer, doesn't it, from the sheriff? But really, there's a lot more going on here. To unpack, uh, this move by Sheriff Polk was actually done out of frustration for essentially being the target of uh, Johnson's family for many years. Johnson's refused to believe their son's death was an accident. This is a very popular case among web sleuthers. Uh, Kendrick was seven, he was a 17-year-old student at Lowndes High School in Valdosta, Georgia, when his dead body was discovered inside a rolled-up wrestling mat. And then an autopsy showed he died from asphyxiation. Uh, he'd been found headfirst, feet up, and the mat was vertical, if you can picture that. Police suspect he was going into the mat to look for shoes. Another student had come forward and said that he shared a pair of Adidas shoes with Kendrick, which is kind of a sad detail. They shared these shoes for, for sports. And uh, after... Or before practice, you know, there was this tradition of Kendrick throwing the shoes into these mats, doing crazy things with them as a joke. So they think that uh, he went in looking for shoes. Family believes it was murder, though, and that there's a huge cover-up going on. They point to two other kids 
who were students with Kendrick, who were sons of an FBI agent. And they believe that the FBI agent told his sons to attack Kendrick. Um, the judge in uh, everybody sued everybody, by the way. Uh, you know, the, the, the family sued the school. The, the FBI agent, I believe, and his family, somebody sued them for defamation. It became a big thing. They ended up with withdrawing one of the cases, and a judge ruled that the family of Kendrick Johnson had to pay back $292,000 in legal fees. A very tragic case all around. You know, don't ever assume conspiracy when there's other explanations for it. Um, in order for this to be a homicide cover-up, at this point, there'd have to be like 50 people involved. And I just, I don't see that happening. I know there's a lot of, a lot of opinions on this case out there, though. Um, moving on, there's prop, there's, it's, it's possible there's been a big break in the Madeline McCann case. Madeline McCann is, her disappearance is like one of the top true crime stories in history at this point. This is that three-year-old girl who disappeared May 3rd, 2007 from the Ocean Club Resort in Praia de Luz in Portugal. She was left in a room while her parents had drinks with other adults. They weren't too far away. And they kept their kids in this this one room. And the adults would take turns going to check on them. The mother checked on them at about 10 p.m. and discovered that Madeline was missing. A search ensued immediately. They were staying in a ground floor apartment. Um, early on, of course, the media focused on the parents Thought, you know, it had to be one of them. Um, just ran them through the ringer, man. Um, and then 2020, just a couple years ago, this 44-year-old Christian Bruckner became essentially the top suspect. He had been arrested. He had a history of rape. And then they found out that by searching his phone, his phone's history, they could place him near the Ocean Club the night of Madeline's disappearance. Now, here's the new bit. There's a German documentary that's that's uh, being produced about all this for Sat1 TV, TV channel in Germany. And the documentarians, uh, they found evidence that Bruckner worked as a repairman for the Ocean Club Resort. That's the connection everybody's been looking for. It places them, if true, it places them right there. Uh, it'd be a very difficult case still. It's that whole no body, no crime thing. Very, very hard to get a conviction in a case where you don't have a body. Uh, this week in genetic genealogy is going to blow your mind. There, And it's right here in my backyard, right here in Akron, Ohio. A.K. Rowdy, as we call it. A woman named Jessica asked for a DNA test for Christmas in 2020, hoping to find distant relatives. She was planning a trip to Italy to track down her father's extended family, and she wanted to see if she could find some in the family tree. Uh, and then, surprise, Tess comes back, finds out her dad is not really her biological father. Uh, here's what happened. Her parents, they, uh, they needed artificial insemination. They did, they did the whole fertility thing at this Akron hospital, Summa Health System. And the doctor there turns out he used somebody else's sperm to impregnate the mother. And uh, using genetic genealogy, they eventually tracked the connection, the biological father, to a man 
who was going through that same hospital for fertility with his wife. And he gave his sperm so that his wife could undergo uh, in vitro fertilization at the same time that Jessica's family was there. Uh, it's a very, I mean, I, I just don't know how you deal with that. Apparently, uh, Jessica has been texting with her biological father. She has sued Summa Health System, not just for money, but to find out what happened to to, to her real, you know, her the, the guy that she, she believed to be her biological father all these years. What happened to his sperm? Was, was he accidentally used? Does she have like a, a half brother or sister out there somewhere? Uh, so interesting to see how that develops. Um, I, I think about these in vitro clinics and, you know, back in the, you know, when this was happening in the 80s and 90s, these doctors would not have expected genetic genealogy on the horizon. And I've heard stories where doctors were using their own sperm to impregnate these women. And now all this is coming out. So another another side effect of the technology of genetic genealogy. Uh, this is some really sad news involving a groundhog and a groundhog's legacy. I don't think it'll ever be the same. You know, this week was uh, Groundhog's Day, and the most famous groundhog prognosticator is, of course, Puxatani Phil. Um, Puxatani Phil predicted six more weeks of winter, by the way. Um, and he, uh, you know, Phil's from that place in Pennsylvania called... Um, Gobbler's Knob. Can we talk about that name for a sec? Gobbler's Knob. Maybe it's time to change that. Um, you know, Phil is not the only groundhog that can see into the future. There's many other groundhogs around the world that have this job. In Ohio, we have Buckeye Chuck. In Ontario, Canada, they have Wyarton Willie. Wyarton Willie. And, um, He's this, like, white albino groundhog that comes out and tells you whether there's going to be more winter or springs around the corner. Now, people were curious why Wyarton Willie didn't appear last year. Uh, instead, last year, they didn't bring out the groundhog. They just threw a, f you know, the, the people in charge, they, they had this fur hat that they threw up in the air and just kind of tried to figure out if that meant winter or not. Uh, it's there's been rumors about what really happened to to Willie, uh, and this year they finally acknowledged that Willie died of an infection from a tooth abscess. Uh, and now, but that was just the one, the first layer. You know, people were like, "Okay, well, if you didn't tell us that that happened, what else are you hiding?" And some journalists uncovered some seedy things in the underbelly of these groundhog prognosticators, speaking specifically of the Willies. 1999, the, originally, the original Willie, turns out he died two days before Groundhog's Day. So what did they do? They didn't have a replacement ready. They weakened at Bernie's him. Weekend at Bernie's, does that work? Yeah, I think it does. They brought out his, his dead body and stuffed it in a tuxedo and then had him call the, call the winner. Uh, and then 2003, uh, two Willie uh, Padawans, you might call them, understudies. They were getting some other Willies ready to take over for Willie Third, and they disappeared. And they've been quiet about what happened to them ever since, but we got to the bottom of it. Turns out Willie III uh, killed his understudies. 
They found these two other groundhogs' bodies deep in his burrow, and then they allowed him to continue working for years around children. Hopefully they'll have a better groundhog next year. And uh, when we come to uh, pop culture this week, uh, it's in true crime. It's got to be the Pam and Tommy series on Hulu. Are you watching that? This is an eight-hour... Somehow they made this into an eight-hour limited series starring Sebastian Stan and Lily James. The topic, of course, is the sex video that Pamela Anderson and her husband Tommy Lee uh, made back in the 90s that was uh, stolen and then became like this viral thing early, early on in the Internet. Uh, here, the, the, the main story goes something like this. Uh, Tommy Lee, of course, was one of the founding members of Motley Crue. Pamela Anderson was on Baywatch and Playboy and all over the place. They were, you know, very famous. They still are. Uh, they were, they had hired this group to renovate their Malibu mansion. And apparently they fired some of the workers and Tommy refused to pay for work, allegedly. Uh, supposed to owe them $20,000, which adjusted for inflation is like $20,000. So um, said Tommy at one point even pointed a shotgun at one of the workers, according to Rolling Stone magazine. So the workers are like, all right, well, what can we take? And they found this giant safe in the garage, not knowing what was in it, and just took the safe. And eventually they cracked it open, and inside they found this homemade tape, 45 minutes, or I'm sorry, 54-minute long tape of Tama, Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson in... Uh, Flagrante delecto, as they say. And they started making bootleg copies, which earned them about $77 million that first year. So how, how did they get away with all this? Well, part of it is it gets a little murky because Pamela and Tommy apparently uh, agreed to let it be aired on the Internet just one time. Nobody really understood much about the Internet back then. This was like 1997. They didn't realize that you put something on the internet once. It's there forever and everywhere. Um, so, yeah. Uh, there, there's some discussion, too, about, you know, the effect that this documentary may have. Is it re-victimizing Pamela Anderson? Can Is she still a victim even though she allowed it to be aired one time? Yes, of course. Um, so it's, it's, it's bizarre. Should we enjoy this? Should we not? These are great actors. Should we watch it? I don't know. Uh, do it at your own risk. Uh, finally, let's check the charts, uh, the chartable charts of top true crime podcasts of the last week. Number one and two, all about Ashley Flowers. Crime Junkie at number two, and The Deck at number one. That's Ashley's new uh, podcast uh, about those deck of cards that they give to prisoners to help solve different crimes. Pretty cool concept. And then number eight, our friends uh, from last podcast on the left appear again. I haven't seen them up there for a while. Uh, this is possibly because of the success of their recent three-part series on uh, Ma Barker, Mother of the Year. This is episode 481. This is the write-up. This week, we close out our stories on the Barker Carpus gang, who, after taking the logical next step from bank robbing, bank robbing to kidnapping, found themselves in one final bloody shootout that took the lives of Ma Barker and the rest of her murderous brood. Pretty cool story. Check them out. Uh, and that's it. Um, 
for True Crime this week. Join me next week. And uh, as always, it is Friday now. You know what that means. Uh, as the incomparable Murray Saul would tell us, it's time that we have to. In fact, we got to. We got to, 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 got True Crime This Week is a fearful symmetry production. Our theme music is Trash Town Boogie by Mr. Smith, used under a Creative Commons license for use in this show. All sources are listed in the liner notes at the end of this episode. If you like the cut of my jib, please check out my other podcast, Philosophy of Crime. Unless quoted directly from a source, all content should be considered the opinion of the host. That's me, James Renner. See you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.